Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much. Called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com, and definitely check out those shows as well. Catherine St. John is the author of The Vicious Circle, a novel. Catherine is a native of Mississippi and a graduate of the University of Southern California who spent over a year in the film industry as an actress, screenwriter, and director before turning to penning novels. When she's not writing, she can be found hiking or on the beach with a good book. Catherine currently lives in Atlanta with her husband and two daughters. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm so happy to be here and finally get to meet you. You too. Oh my gosh. I was just saying you are the most prolific author. You're doing one book a year, The Siren, The Lion's Den, and now A Vicious Circle. This is like boom, 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 one after the next. How are you doing this? And congratulations. I mean, the trick I think is to to be writing one while I'm editing 
the one that's about to come out, you know? So when you go back and forth with your editor, you have like, you know, a couple weeks to a couple months, depending on how long she takes <laughs> and that I use that time to get started on my next book. So I'm always like in the process of writing, editing, promoting, adapting. It's, it's, I have so many different books and so many different stories going on in my head. I have to like switch gears. Wow. So impressed. Okay. Before we jump into each book, go back for two seconds because you had a 10 year career in the Hollywood side of life, right? Yes. So tell me about that. You've had every role imaginable there as well. It's very true. Um, yes. This is like, you are like the consummate multitasker. I feel like you're like, you have the superpower of like doing a million things. So uh, take me through that and how you transitioned over into this world? Well, I think that I found the one career as a writer where having all of these other careers is actually a qualification. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of like master of, of, no, jack of all trades, master of none. I found one in which all of that stuff actually works for me because I have all these different experiences. I've always been a storyteller. So when I was younger, I was an actress and that was how I really first got into storytelling. It's just a different mode of it. You're using your body as your instrument instead of words, you know? So uh, I I was an actress for, for many years. And then I started really getting interested in the other side of the camera and writing and directing. Wait, and when you say actress, was this like TV, film, uh, stage. Yeah, I yeah. want some details. <laughs> some details here, please. <laughs> I went to the University of Southern California and was in their acting department. And so we did a ton of theater at school. Um, and then actually while I was in school, I started doing like television and film and commercials. You know, I was able to pay my bills acting, which is a real win for a young <laughs> actress. But, you know, it was like small roles in big films and big roles in small films. And it never really progressed past that. So I reached a point when I was like, okay, this isn't sustainable. Like I want to have kids. I I don't want to be having to leave my little babies for three months to go shoot a film in Turkey, you know? So I, I started thinking like, what else do I want to do? I'd always wanted to write a book. And so I, I had two little girls back to back and, um, I'd been working in production. And when my second daughter was born, I was like, I need to take a break and just stay home with my little girls. And this is the opportunity to write a book. And so I call my first book, the lion's den, the nap time novel, because I wrote it during nap time, because that was the only time that I had, you know, and I didn't do anything else. I didn't, um, you know, cook. I don't ever really cook. Um, (laughs) I didn't clean the house. I didn't, you know, go to the grocery or do any, anything else. My husband, thank heavens was very helpful with all those things. Cause all I did was take care of the kids and write. That's all I could do. And, and it was a good thing that I did because now I get to do it full time. Amazing. So when you started writing at nap time, tell me about the writing experience you had up till then. So were you writing screenplays as well? And did you do this from when you were a kid or you just like, now's my chance to become a novelist? I've always written. I I have somewhere framed a poem that I wrote in the third grade that got 
third place in the Mississippi like poetry contest for kids. Congratulations. (laughs) My mom was very proud of me. My mom was an English teacher. She's retired now. And my dad um, is a lawyer playwright. So it runs in the family. I think everybody in my family has some sort of a book, at least halfway written. Uh, I also wrote, uh, I had a a stint as a singer-songwriter. And I turned my love of writing poetry into writing songs because, I mean, songs really are poetry. It's poetry you sing. And then it was when I was working as an actress that I got started. I started writing screenplays. I wrote commercials. I've written like all kinds of like promo copy, you know. Um, But my favorite thing is writing novels because you really get to be you get to be everything. Like if you're writing like with a screenplay, it's such a collaborative uh, effort making a movie or, or a TV show. Um, you know, you really are dependent on your actors and your director and your costumer. And like, you know, you're you're working with all these people, which is so much fun. But when you're writing, you are all of those people. You're the costumer. You're the director. You're the cinematographer. You're setting the scene. You're, you know, giving the, the, uh, the characters their words, you know, all of it. So um, it's really fun to do it that way. And I love getting into a world and uh, finding the best words to make other people come to that world with me. Love it. Yeah. All of your novels, I feel like have the strongest sense of place, right? And that's, you call it, I, I read an interview with you where you were calling it escapist fiction and how it's really important to you to take your readers to different places while you set the stage. So tell me about Tell me about that and take us through all three of your books in terms of setting and synopsis and how they all like linked together. Absolutely. I mean, I, I when I start thinking about what I want to write next, I start with where do I want to go? And then I start thinking about what story do I want to tell while I'm there? What story really works in this environment? I think that's, I mean, that's that's the escapist part of the escapist thrillers is getting to take readers somewhere and, and, and where I want to go. So with my first book, The Lion's Den, it is set on a yacht in the Mediterranean. Who doesn't want to go on a yacht in the Mediterranean? I mean, I think we all do, right? But of course, when our lead character, Belle, gets to the yacht in the Mediterranean, it is not all it's cracked up to be. And her uh, friend from childhood has turned into quite a, a gold digger. And her sugar daddy who owns the yacht is very controlling and uh, things are not what they seem to be. I'm really into things that are not what they seem to be on the surface. And so having these beautiful locations, these places that would seem like, oh my gosh, I, I really want to go there. And then you get there and it's oh, wait a minute, <laughs> something else is going on here. So yeah, we were in the Mediterranean for that one on the coast of Italy and France. And then in my and second- wait, book, did you go, did you go for research purposes? I, I, I yes, I did. Many times, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> because you got to do that. Yeah, you know? of course. Okay. Yeah. I had actually been there years before and thought this would be an amazing place to set a book. And I- I, I just had to figure out what exactly the story was um, and how I was going to tell that story. But I, that was like kicking around in my head for years before I actually got the opportunity to sit down and write The Lion's Den was um, I had been to Saint-Tropez. I had seen the yachts. I had um, experienced a little bit of that world. And and I thought how interesting it is, you know, for somebody who's a normal person <laughs> looking at like people who have um, all of, you know, all of the wealth 
at their fingertips that can just sail around on yachts and jets and and what that does to a person, you know. So the lion's den is really about money and and what it does to people. I just had to figure out like how to tell that in a really fun way, you know. So it's not it's never moralizing. It's never it's it's fun. It's it's blingy, swingy yacht and fashion porn and, with and a little bit of a socially conscious message. <laughs> and what is, what was your conclusion of what wealth does to people? Um, it depends on the person. It, it wealth magnifies the qualities that are already there. So if someone has a tendency to be generous, if they are a wealthy person, they will likely get involved in every charity and they will become more generous. If someone has insecurities and needs to prove themselves, they will use wealth to do that. If someone is a pretty nasty person, it can really do a number on them. So that was what I found is that it, it, it doesn't change us. It just magnifies the qualities that were already there. So my second book, The Siren, is set on a Caribbean island. And I love the Caribbean as well. And uh, it's funny too, with my books, it's not just about the setting. I also like to find a way to make it somewhat isolated. So with The Lion's Den, it is on a yacht, which is isolated and there's no Wi-Fi on the yacht. Um, Cell phones don't really work when you get farther offshore. With The Siren, it's set on a beautiful Caribbean island that is owned by the movie star who is producing the film that is being shot there. So he has kind of ultimate control over everything. He um, not only is paying everyone, but he also owns the island resort where they're staying, um, owns the soundstage, all of it. And it is on an isolated Caribbean island. So when a hurricane starts heading for the island, we have a big problem. That was also a really fun setting. And where did you go for that research? Um, I, I went to the Bahamas, okay. I went to Jamaica, I went to the British Virgin Islands. I'm really indiscriminate about where I'll go in the Caribbean. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm trying to see if I can follow this itinerary around and, uh, you know, for a wish list dream right? year right? of travel or something, but okay. So keep going. So when it came time to write my third book, I was like, okay, I've, I've done beach beach. So let me do something a little bit different. Let me do the jungle. And so for for this book, for The Vicious Circle, it is set in a remote Mexican jungle. Um, It is specifically a jungle that is on the borderline between Mexico and Guatemala. And it's the second largest, you know, rainforest system outside of the Amazon. And it also allows us to have that kind of isolation because this is the the beautiful place where my lead character goes to bid her uncle farewell. His his retreat center called Xanadu stands, it's like a wedding cake standing on the edge of this river deep in the jungle. It requires a plane, a helicopter, and a boat to get there. So once you're there, it's a real problem if your helicopter needs a part and can't come get you there's no way out. So that that allowed me to isolate them. And then it's also really fun to have jaguars and snakes and crocodiles and all of those kind of things around them in the jungle. I love how in the beginning you say that she had, Sveta says how she, she knows about the wealth because of her fiance Chase and how his family has houses in like Aspen and this like 15,000 square foot house in Connecticut and the Hamptons and whatever, but like that the brochures had not done this place justice because it was even more (laughs) breathtaking than all of those things combined. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And when she gets there, she thinks it's going to be really cool because it's this beautiful mansion with like tumbling gardens and all these beautiful people with this very transcendent vibe. And they're all very welcoming. But the more that she gets into it, the more that she starts to see that they're 
a belief system is disturbing and this is no wellness center. This is a cult. And that you have her ex-boyfriend suddenly become the lawyer in this whole mess. Right, right. (laughs) Yes. Yes, because that's another thing that I really like to add into my books is some romance, you know, because who doesn't like some romance? I feel like it really gives a heart to it, you know, so you've got like all this thriller stuff going on and and it does get dark in places, but it's always people to a place where after they finish the book, they're going to be depressed. You know, I, 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 I don't want that to happen. I want them to feel like they went on a ride with this character and feel satisfied by it at the ending without feeling like, like, you know, sometimes you finish a book and you're like, oh man, I need to go read something light now. I try to give them enough lightness that they don't feel that way. That they'll just be ready for your next book. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So when you're figuring out, so I assume you already have a fourth one either completely written or in progress or Maybe fifth, editing, one, yeah. <laughs> fifth, one, fifth one started. Is that where you are? Uh, well, I've so in between books three and four, I'm editing my fourth book right now, which is set in Greece. Back, back I just can't stay away from the beach. <laughs> Mykonos, where are you going? Where are we going in Greece? Uh, I, I, it's a it's a fictional island called Mitras, okay. and it's in the Cyclades. But I needed it to be. I unless I'm actually going to be writing on the island. I I like to make like the one that's set in the Caribbean is also fictional because I need it to to check certain boxes for me and it's very difficult to do that with a real place if you're not actually living there. You know, I don't ever want to, you know, and I, of course I've been to Greece, I've been to Mykonos, I've been to Santorini. I love Greece, but I am not living there while I'm writing it and I really I want to be as authentic as I can with with every place that I set things. So I don't want to set them on an island and then have people who've been that to that island be like, oh, but that house isn't like, there's no house like that on that island. You know what I mean? People get caught up in those kind of things. So if, um, if I'm fictionalizing, I, I, I like to go ahead and just like make it, you know, a, a Greek island that's not a real island, but it's one that w- you might find there. Gotcha. So had you, wait, I was, well, my question before was when you're picking your, your next novel and the elements, do you start with place and then you move on to romance and then conflict? Like, do you have, what big, what big things are set before you start to write it? I, well, everything, I have all my tentpole moments set. So I know the beginning and I know where I'm going. I know, I know the end. So it's really like, it's a character arc thing. So like I find the place and then I think about my characters and their arc, like, you know, they're going from here to here. And that allows me to kind of plot out like, okay, what kind of a love interest am I going to be able to give them? And what kind of things are going to stand in between them and their love interest? And that's going to have to do with their, with their arc. So I like to make the internal struggles that a character is going through external. So I give them some sort of an external conflict that illuminates their internal conflict. So, so what for the character is like, you know, in my most recent book, The Vicious Circle, Sveta, my main character, isn't incredibly confident. She's been a model her entire life and has been told since she was 14 that she's not thin enough or pretty enough or exciting enough or smart enough. And she's internalized all of that. And she's she's not very confident. So it's a journey of confidence for her. But that'd be kind of boring to read about just, you know, trying, you know. So it, so all of these external things are uh, illuminating illuminating that and helping her find her way to confidence. So it's, it, it's a, a thrill ride 
page turner for the reader. And for Sveta, it's her, uh, her reclaiming her confidence. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I want to be a part of this brainstorm for a book of yours. <laughs> I am serious. I want to like go with you and be like, where should we go? Uh, where are some beautiful <laughs> islands or places where you're isolated in some way? And like, it just seems like such a fun, immersive process, even the brainstorm. Do you feel like it's super fun? It is. It is really fun. I get super into it. Um, my poor husband has to listen to me talk about <laughs> characters he doesn't know. I'm very fortunate. My agent is a editorial agent. And so she and I talk through all of this and, and she can really see it as we're talking about it. And she'll have great ideas too. And so like, she's the one person we'll have these like marathon four hour phone calls, you know, where we kind of root around in my head and and figure out, you know, like exactly what we're doing. Um, And she's like the only person that I'll really allow inside my head. And it's, I feel very fortunate to have that, to have somebody that I can fail in front of, that I can tell terrible ideas to, and she can be like, no, I think we're going to do something else. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, who, who is your agent? Sarah Beddingfield at Levine Greenberg Rustan Literary Agency. She's wonderful. Oh, that's that's amazing. Um, Wait, so aside from Greece, where do we have to look forward to? Do you have any other ones? Well, I am going to Portugal um, for two weeks in November. So expect something from Portugal. There will always be, anytime I'm going somewhere, I'm thinking about what am I going to write here? I have a book that goes, that. I, so during the, the pandemic, I uh, spent a lot of time, I was living in Los Angeles at the time, and um, I had a friend with a house in Palm Springs and the kids weren't in school anyway. So we just went to Palm Springs and hung out uh, where our kids could actually swim in the afternoon and run around on the golf course and um, sort of have somewhat of a normal seeming life. And so I did set something at a 
on a beautiful golf course type of place in Palm Springs. However, that book I have put away currently, I will, I'm going to circle back to it because it kept growing and um, it got a little out of control and I have to, I needed a moment to step back so that I could trim it up and uh, figure out exactly what I want to do with it. Wow. And you mentioned adapting. Tell me about that. Yes. So I'm adapting currently for television, The Lion's Den and The Siren, which is a fascinating process because you really have to use the book as a jumping off place. And you not only have to break open the ending so that it can be open up to a second, third, fourth season, but you also have to think about it in terms of the format for television, which is so different than the format for a book. The format for a book is a lot more like a really long movie, whereas with television, each episode has to have like a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, things have to happen. Like it, it, it has to be these bite-sized pieces as opposed to one big meal. So that's been really fascinating. And I think it makes me storytelling in different ways. I feel like it, it just makes you a better storyteller because it makes you, you can use some of the things that you're using for television or that you're using for songwriting or that you're using, you know, for writing a commercial in your, in your novel writing as well. You know, it makes you maybe think more visually or, or think about your dialogue, you know. Have you thought about podcasting? doing some sort of scripted podcast situation? Um, I have not thought about podcasting. <laughs> I have not thought about that, but now I have. <laughs> I, I feel like you've done everything else. I'm like thinking like, we are, what are the other modes these days of storytelling? I feel At like this you- point, I'm like, I'm very much trying to stay afloat. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm such a juggler and it's constantly like, I have to write down at the, like at the beginning of the day, like these are the things that I have to address today. And I have to focus on one at a time. And then I try and give myself like in between, you know, maybe I will meditate for 10 minutes or I will go walk the dog or something to switch so that I'm, so that I don't have bleed from one project into another. I have to do a little reset before I keep going. Do you do time blocks? Like I'm going to do this from nine to 11? No, because it's so task oriented that I have to get to a stopping place. I have to, I can't leave, like if I'm in the middle of an idea, I can't allow myself to stop that idea because then it won't, you know how it is with ideas. They might not come back. Like if, if the muse shows up, you entertain her no matter what time it is, you know, even if she wants to show up at two o'clock in the morning, you have to at least pull your phone up and type in whatever it is that the muse is telling you, you know. I feel like I, I rely more on like, I'm going to deal with my inbox, but I am going to do this just until it hits like one fifteen, and then I'm going to switch to this. And then, you know, I have to think about it that way. Absolutely. I feel like for administrative tasks, yes, yeah. I try and yeah. get those out of the way. Yeah. Because that'll definitely interrupt your creative flow. Yeah. If you start thinking about logistics and right, right, right. or if oh, you read right. a review or. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how old are your girls now? My girls are six and eight, which is, it's a great age. You know, a lot of people really love babies and I love babies. My my babies were great and I love other people's babies, but I really like kids because you can talk to them and you can play with them and they're fun and they're, they say funny things and, you know, they try on my shoes and <laughs> they're really cute. You know, I, I, they're, this is going to be our first time when we take them to Portugal, traveling that far with them. We've taken them to Mexico 
into Jamaica, but this will be like the fir- their first time in Europe. Um, and we're going to stop in Paris as well, just because they're obsessed with Paris and, and want to see it. So, but they're finally, uh, this is what I've looked forward to, you know, about being a parent is, is this age where you can really do stuff with them and show them the world and, and talk to them about ideas and, and start to see them developing into these adorable little people. I totally agree. My uh, my little guys are seven and nine right now. Uh, okay, I feel like so I'm in the same. It. Yeah, I'm in the yeah. same. Yeah, that my I have twins who are 15, so I feel like I get now a second chance to really appreciate what this age yeah. is. So I'm yeah. appreciating it even more now. But uh, major years, I'm 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 a little afraid of. I've heard so many horror stories about I, years. I, I like to think too. it's not going to happen, but <laughs> so far, so good. For for my guys, at least. I mean, it's like one minute after the next. I think I'll, I don't know. We're very close. It's, I, I don't know. So far, so good. I'll just say it like that. I don't know how these guys will do. The little guys, they're very independent already, but we'll see. My sister-in-law who has children that are a little bit older than mine, uh, one of the pieces of advice she gave me is that whatever it is that they're interested in, just be interested in it. You need to learn about it. If it's Pokemon, learn about Pokemon. If it, you know, whatever it is, even if it's not something that you would naturally be interested in and that that it gives you a way to stay close and to be able to talk to them about something that they're interested in talking about, not something like how was school today. You need more, you know, more than that. I actually had my kids teach me how to play Roblox when they were really into Roblox. I love that. <laughs> um, which now I've taken away their iPads for months. I, I pretended I lost them because I actually did lose them for a little bit. But then I was like, well, this is going well. I think I might not give them back. And now life is so much better. Using Um, things is always a good option. The problem is my children are really wily and they will find things. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I actually could not find it. So it's, you know, (laughs) but that's okay. (laughs) Do your kids get involved in plotting or your characters or like, what are they, what's their involvement when you have a book come out? They are my little publicists. They like completely inappropriate. They are constantly pushing my books on people. They're, uh, <laughs> I think that's it, totally it, appropriate. That's their job. And like, well, and they'll, you know, you know, one of their teachers, they'll find out has read a book of mine and then they'll, they want to feel special. So they want to bring in a book. Mommy, mommy, can we bring her a book signed? Mommy. And I'm like, of course, but you can't, my books are not appropriate for first and third graders. And so please do not be reading it in the classroom. You know, <laughs> they're dying to read my books. They're always trying to open them up and like, you know, sneak a page here and there. Uh, but we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. Have <laughs> Too you much thought about explain. children's books? I don't know that I have the mind for children's books. I think that that is a people who write, I feel like children's books, they are, it's a different, like my mom, for example, is a teacher and she is a person who could write children's books. She thinks in the mind of a child, she thinks about how I'm murdering people. <laughs> like it's just not appropriate. I, I don't know if I could, you know, I've, I've thought like, I should write a book without a murder, you know, and I've thought about that, but every time I sit down to try and write a book without somebody gets killed, you know? And so I do what I do and will it change over the course of my life? Probably, hopefully, who knows? But right now I love what I do and I'm going to keep doing it. Love it. 
<laughs> is the is this compulsion to murder people based on any sort of anger you feel towards any one particular person, or it's just because you like it as a story? Is there it's some is there some thing. anger you have deep seated in there? I am like probably the least angry person you'll ever meet. Like I'm, I, I anger doesn't stick with me. I'm a very like roll with the punches, surf in the wave of life type of person. I'm, I'm looking for fun everywhere I go. I'm, uh, I don't have a lot of anger issues. It's more about my murders are murders, murders more in like the, the British sense, like the, like, you know, like a man or murder, you know, it's, it's like a, it's more of a fun murder. (laughs) I'm never going to kill children or animals. I can't. I, and when I read a book where a kid dies in the beginning, I cannot read like, if if this is what we're going to be dealing with, I can't do that because I can't go there because I, you know, it's hard enough as a parent not to constantly be worried about horrible things happening to your children yep. irrationally all the time. Yep. And when I read about a child dying in a book, like it hurts me so badly, even though I understand it's fiction, yep. that it, it's hard for me to go on. So I, that's, if there's kid murders, it's same with television, same thing. It's like, okay, no, I can't do this. Yep. I get Something that. else. Yeah, <laughs> this is probably a totally inappropriate question, but you happen to also, in addition to be being prolific author and creator and storyteller, but you are gorgeous. So oh, I want to know goodness. your skin. Wait. I want to know your what do you use skin <laughs> hair care? Like what, what what tips can you share? I, I need to know the makeup. What any products? What, oh, I'm pretty simple. All. I really am. I've been using hyaluronic acid, you know, and I've been using a vitamin C, like a vitamin C serum, a hyaluronic acid serum. And I just started using um, a red light. Have you heard of red light therapy? No. Okay. So red light therapy, like if you go, like you can go and get like broadband light, like on your face to help you get rid of like age spots and stuff like that and fine lines and wrinkles. And it's like this red laser that they put over your face and they now sell lights that have like and I'm not going to get the science here right. So nobody quote me on this, but um, there's like a certain wavelength of light that is really good for the skin and also for things inside the body. So it it has both red light and infrared light and you sit in front of it. And I I sit in front of it to meditate because it's like, okay, this is going to force me to meditate just 10 minutes a day. And I'll sit in front of the red light and you put on these little goggles (laughs) in front of the red light. And um, it's supposed to be really good for like skin rejuvenation, helps you sleep better. Uh, it improves your mood. Um, if you spot treat areas of the body, like it's really good for inflammation. So like mm-hmm. I have a bunion on my right foot and sometimes when I've been wearing, you know, real people's shoes for too long, it'll be throbbing. And so I'll put my foot in front of it and, and it helps. It really does. So I've just started using it like, I don't know, six weeks, two months ago. So we'll see whether I can keep it up and whether it really does what it's supposed to do. But so far, so good. Okay. Great tip. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, I will, I'll Google goggles to buy for red light. And, red light uh, therapy. Yeah. yeah. Red light. <laughs> I wonder if you could somehow use the red light instead of like a rig light when you do interviews. It, it makes you, you look like a devil. It's ah, very, okay. uh, you can't stare into it. Like my children will see the the light and the, they'll see that the bathroom, it looks red and they'll be like, Oh no, mommy's using the red light. Don't go in there. That's <laughs> so funny. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. Sorry. That was a total deviation, but I had to ask. Okay. Last question. What advice do you have for aspiring authors? 
Just do it. In the words of Nike, don't let anything get in your way. Uh, It's so easy to make excuses. It's so easy to feel like, well, I don't know the ending yet, or I don't have, I don't have five hours to really focus on this. I don't, and that doesn't matter. You don't take it from somebody who wrote her first book with two very small children. You don't need five hours. Set aside, you know, whatever you can manage and just start putting words on paper. And also don't don't be too precious about it. No first draft is good. And if you wrote a good first draft, you know, kudos to you. I have yet to do it. Every time I write a first draft, I'm like, oh, this is terrible. I'm never going to write a first draft. <laughs> but some brilliant soul said that writing a first draft is like scooping sand into a sandbox, knowing that later you will make castles. And that's what I like to think about it as like you, you're just, I'm putting the elements in there. And I know that like, it's really in the editing process that the real work takes place. And I actually love the editing process because I feel like so much of the work is already done because I've, I've already put all the characters in there and put the problems in there. And now it's just about molding them and and getting it all right. So yeah, just do it. Just just sit down and 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 do it and don't let anybody tell you otherwise and don't second guess yourself. You never know who's going to be a fantastic writer. Somebody that majored in English might be terrible. Somebody that didn't go to college might be the next JK Rowling. You just don't know. I love that. I love the sandcastle sandbox metaphor as well. That is super helpful. I cling to it. I do. It's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I've like, you know, in, in, in moments of terror, I have, um, I've Googled like, what do other authors say about first drafts? (laughs) (laughs) They all said this, the same thing, which is that they're terrible. Yeah. Okay. I feel better now myself. That's great. (laughs) Okay. This has been so much fun. I hope I meet you in person sometime. Thank you for coming on. And, uh, I'm sorry it's taken so long for us to connect, but um, by the time I talk to you next, you'll have written three more books. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. This is really fun. Thanks, Zibby. Okay. Have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.